but it's 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 been slow since uh, we just finished um, a, a project um, and we launched it. And um, I mean, I think yesterday, I think yesterday or Wednesday, we had some depressing news about uh, two projects getting canceled. And and I mean, you know, games getting canceled is nothing new. It, but you know, some of our coworkers who are new and not familiar with the industry are like. Oh no! What's gonna happen? Does that mean we're gonna get laid off? And I'm like, Nah, don't, don't, don't worry. <laughs> don't, don't jump to the conclusion. It's too early to say. And then, um, so, like a coworker of mine, um, who's been here, at the company for like six years, I think. She just left, and that was kind of sad news for a lot of us because she was really good, really nice, friendly, um, and I, I was kind of sad. Like I, we, we gave her like a like a digital good like you know the cards and stuff we signed it it was just so sad oh, like, like, usually you usually usually you know when you when people leave you go in the office and you say hey it was nice you know uh working with you you know you toast and have a, a nice big lunch but yeah we're, we're all like you know work from home we don't really get to see her oh so. no zoom party yeah I don't know if there was, which is, I don't know if she just didn't want it or um, she had a private one. Nobody knows. Oh, man. So the pandemic really, really screwed people over with opportunities and meetups. Well, it's about time we get started, I suppose. Hi, everybody. It's another episode of Out of Mora. Thank you so much for coming in and listening live. And for those of you listening from other streaming platforms, welcome. You made it another episode in. I'm actually surprised you made it that far, to be honest with you. And I really hope you go to the other episodes, if any. <sighs> Suffice to say, um, episode 7 still not uploaded at this time of broadcasting, which is kind of weird honestly because these these things happen these things tend to happen pretty quickly so i you know color me surprised now today's guest is one of the other uh ogs that uh i explained this idea to and they were around for kind of the uh the the inception of it and so this is another uh person i've always wanted on this podcast for a while and after trudging through the entire list of guests, she's finally here. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Sefi. How you doing, Sefi? Hey, everyone. It's 11 p.m. So, I mean, it's the night's still young for me, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I have my water bottle, too. <laughs> oh, man. Uh-oh, I don't have my water bottle. Oh, this is going to be a long podcast, isn't it? So, <laughs> so actually, so, spe- so, so catching on from the previous topic before, because I'm curious, how many games do you think, like, don't see the light of day? Like, they kind of get canceled before that people even hear about it. Is it kind of like, uh, the, the only thing I can think of is, like, your, you know, uh, a lot of scientific articles that get rejected by journals and they never see the light of day is that kind of the same for for games in, in your opinion uh i think it depends <laughs> like as, as right. much like it's like yeah i wish i had like the right answer but I, it depends like you know um which company you work for how large is your company 
there's just a lot of factors um for us um like us i think like because we we're we're like a, a really big company we're well known we have really strong ips um people are just like oh we we want to work with you and so we it's i don't think it's too hard for us um uh, but you know sometimes like like for recently uh our partner just had like i guess they had they went under a big restructure um and rebranding and and because of that um yeah two projects just didn't didn't go through because uh it didn't fit with their new vision um but i mean I, like if you there's this one book i read um it's called like blood sweat and pixels or something it's like about game development um and if you're, anyone's interested you could maybe buy it take a read at it and it gives you a really good like insight to like all all, all like all the hard things that you know game developers have to face like even like big ones diablo 3 destiny um uh what was that uh the, the, the stardew valley that one is a pretty that was a oh that that's a really a really uh like amazing one stardew valley like it's like a, i think a one-man team and crazy how he uh did it and you know made success and it and you know a lot of games don't don't ever see the light of day it's like Part of it is luck. Part of it is um, marketing. Marketing is a really big deal. If you don't have a good um, marketing team, it could make or break your game. Um, this this is a lot of things. Budget, right? Um, sometimes uh, you know your game just doesn't have um, the budget to carry through, or just something happens. Um, but I mean, there's there's like all these like little little cases there. It's hard to say. Oh yes. Your game might flop because of this or never see the light of day because of that but at the end of the day it's like i think one of the biggest thing is like funding right if you if you don't have a strong like uh partner to help you um it's going to be hard to get your, your project to completion mm, yeah for sure so when you think about like one man games like stardew valley because you know anything or any sort of project that's you know, that starts with one man, you're, you're kind of going like, oh my goodness, that that must have taken a lot of work, <laughs> time, and, and dedication. But it's interesting because Stardew Valley is like kind of one of the, the only games I kind of pl I kind of played. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say to, you know, to completion because I don't even know how Stardew Valley ends, but <laughs> if there is any. But one thing I noticed that was quite interesting was the premise of it, your, your work, your, you know, Sorry, spoilers for people who haven't played Stardew Valley, but this is only the beginning of it. Like, I'm not really spoiling any major things, but you're kind of, you start out working for some sort of, um, <laughs> I think it's their take on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> please don't sue us, Amazon. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's like a tech corp or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, called Jojo Mart. And it, do you know if, if that, the developer of the game was kind of projecting their own experiences into it? Because it seems like a very personal story. It's like, oh, yeah, I hate this. And now, I'm, and now I work on a farm. I I don't remember, but I I did remember like I they, they talked about it in um, Blood Sweat and Pixels, um, but I I don't remember. I think the person was like a fresh graduate or something, um, and his girlfriend was still in college or high school, something like that. I'm not I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure if the person actually was a. Uh, worked at a corporate 
before. Yeah, that because that to me they hit it right on the nose. That was kind of like I, I watched that scene and I was like, oh my god, like this could be any of us. This could be all of us in the tech industry right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just working for yeah. you know you, you you go down, you look at your sprints, and you're like, ah, there it is all over again. As a user, I want to do X Y Z. Ah, uh, all right. Let's let's go through let's mm-hmm. go through the user stories. Let's go play our uh, our our you know our 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 um what's it called uh. Or scrum poker, whatever that means. Yeah, to those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the uh, um, development, uh, um, sort of development strategies and that are in place and a lot of uh, corporate as well as sort of uh, indie. Well, maybe not so much indie. It's it's more of the development process. And it can be very, very frustrating. It can be very, very uh, tiring. And so I was kind of interested in seeing the whole thing uh, unravel like that, which was pretty cool. But there's one thing I, I was curious about, actually, going back to the topic of games that never see the light of day. When you see something like a game, like, for example, I don't know if you saw the old gameplay of uh, the of the Star Wars uh, uh, Mandalorian Bounty Hunter series where you're supposed to be like a Mandalorian and you're uh, going around and... Uh, you know, doing Mandalorian things, and then there's another cancelled game where it was like floor one, three, one, four, something, and those games had a cool concept. They never made the light of day. Did you do you now as a developer yourself? I'm sure you've you've seen games that have had very large potential, uh, being cancelled or being dropped. But have you ever seen any of them that you're like, oh my goodness, this could have been so good, but the way they went down was not great like this the hill they died on was not a great hill like as in they got canceled for a stupid reason like i don't know somebody left their uh their their sheet of ideas in the laundry and it's all gone uh so the game we you're talking about was that like star wars 1313 yeah that's it that's it uh yeah yeah so that that that's a game that that's also mentioned in blood sweat and pixels and also my coworkers they they talk about it all the time because it's it's sad uh, like either they um, they knew people who worked on it, or they they previously worked on it themselves. Um, but from what I heard, um, like like the issue with with that was like uh, that was like never never ending cycle between um, George Lucas um, and the dev team because George Lucas he comes from you know a film background, but you're trying to make a game. So, you know, you can't just say, oh, I want this movie concept into this game and I want it to work exactly how movies are doing. You just just can't translate one-to-one. And I, like, but um, what's in, hmm. Like, like, as, I guess, like, a normal person, like, a non-game developed person, I guess... I can't really remember games that like never saw the light of day. Like there's this, there's some like MMOs I used to watch like all the time. I'm like, oh, when is it going to come to like North America and stuff? Um, but I don't remember if they ever like, like they just disappear or just uh, not get developed. Um, because I feel like it's just I. But what ends up happening is like I I get super interested in them, and then, and then I just lose interest because they never come out, and then like I I just, just stop caring about it. Um, 
there was this one MMO, I forgot what it's called, but like it was, I was like really into um, like the whole, like, I guess simulation games or like build, build, like building your own land and stuff. Uh, I forgot, it started with a P, but I forgot what it's called. Um, it was like by, I think, some Eastern developer. Um, and I still do not know what's going on, like if it's ever coming out. And it's been like over five years. So uh, oh, I don't yeah. know. So games that kind of get stuck in development or, or kind of like delayed hell, they kind of, they, they lose, they tend to lose that uh, momentum, I suppose. And when it finally comes out, people just look at it and go like, ah, that game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I suppose there's, it take yeah sorry go ahead. There's a, there is one game I've been waiting for. It's like Digimon Survive or something, and that got pushed like I think till it, it got it was supposed to be slated for this year, but it got pushed to 2022. Um, and they said that you know COVID's been really rough, and yes, COVID does affect game development <laughs> a lot. Uh, it depends on the company, but overall, like. If you, it's, 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 I think because most people are used to going to office and communicating and saying, Hey, look, at least, at least for my company, like we're really effective in office. If we run into an issue, we just call someone over. It's like, Hey, can you come help debug this issue? Um, and you know, you just go over there and it's like, Oh yeah, well you, you forgot to turn on your PC or something stupid like that. Right. <laughs> and so we, over COVID it's, um, it's a lot harder to like communicate. Um, you don't really see your coworkers face to face unless you're on Zoom most of the time. Um, but you know, there's this thing called Zoom fatigue. I'm sure most people have heard something like that or experienced it at one point. Mm, yeah, for sure, definitely. I think there was a there there were recent studies that showed that uh, employers requiring people to turn on their cameras during uh, Zoom meetings were met with more unproductive as well as stressed out staff uh, because of a couple of reasons. One mainly being the fact that, you know, if you're camera shy, you're camera shy. You tend to underperform. Second one being that you're kind of showing your uh, private space of living. So I guess thank goodness for the <laughs> virtual background, right? And third is that you, you uh, feel yeah. like you feel confined to one place. You really can't move because like every movement is kind of being in a sense watched, right? So you kind of just have to sit there for a couple of hours in your little chair and every time you you go and stretch, you have to be aware of how you're stretching. Ah, do I look ugly when I when I put my arms down to my <laughs> feet, you know? Or oh my gosh, is my, you know, is my uh, has my lipsticks oxidized? Do I need to put on a new like batch or something like that? Um, but yeah, it's de yeah, definitely. There's there's definitely Zoom fatigue, and I think it's just because you're uh, you're you don't have your phys the physical receptors that you're used to, or the the physical situation you're used to when you're going face to face. You know, there's less things you can kind of get rid of. Everyone's eyes are glued to one screen. They're not like sort of interacting with the environment. You can't have a guy turn around and then you quickly you know bl blow a sneeze somewhere. And they'll just turn around and you just smile, act like nothing happened. That kind of yeah. interaction. Yeah, it was a, it, it's quite mm -hmm. interesting. And you bring up an interesting point because the way I see game development is it's very different than a lot of software developer or engineering jobs because a lot of people have this misconception going like, oh, 
you have a computer. Like, you don't need to interact with anybody. You just need to, you know, open up your trap door, go into your basement, and just start working, right? Because it's all on a computer. You, you push it up to, to some repository, you pull it, and then you're good to go. But that's not the case for, for, for you guys specifically because it's a very interactive uh, sort of um, line of work, and it's a very project-based sort of thing. So what are sort of the misconceptions that you've had to clear with people in regards to that? Uh, so I will say like, so game development, let's, let's say you work on PlayStation or Xbox. Sure. You, you could like, you could run like a, run your engine on your machine, but you know, you want to, you want to test on the actual system. So you have to make a build and deploy it onto, onto like the PlayStation or Xbox. Or if you're doing VR, you have to like, or and you're working on Oculus. Um, which is uh, the Oculus Quest, which is Android. You got to make a build, deploy on the deploy on the device, and then you know debug it, you know, with whatever tools you have. So that itself is already, uh, you know, one misconception. It's like, oh, well, just change one line of code, and you know, voila, guys, <laughs> it takes more. It takes more effort than that. Um, and depending, like, sometimes the builds can take really long. Like, if you once your project gets super big, um, you know, builds can take like 30 minutes, maybe an hour, like worst case. Um, and, you know, if, even if you just like, if, if you, you want to figure out why is, this, why is this character doing stupid things and it's just a one-line change, that's just 30 minutes for one, 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 one code change, which is not very efficient. It's, a, you know, it's very long. Um, another, like, other misconception is like, um, God, like, I feel like if, if, someone pulls up like a bunch of reviews i could just like <laughs> just read, read through <laughs> down the list and just like say like guys that's not how it fucking works or like even just going re- reading like mihoyo's like like reading reddit like and, you know people shitting on mihoyo or even like the the whole pokemon thing i remember you know reading people like shitting on game freak and stuff it's like okay that's fine you have complaints but none of you guys really know how game development works and it kind of sucks to just hear people saying all this this stuff without knowing anything. Oh yeah, for sure. It, it's funny you bring up the the one line of code thing because people, it's like you said, people will think, oh, you know, you you, you go in, you, you change one line of code, and bada bing, bada boom, you're good to go, right? But the reality of it is, everyone's spending about six and a half hours of their lives trying to find that one line of code to change. <laughs> you know, that's that's the reality of it. You can spend about all the rest of your day looking for some stupid like semicolon you forgot to put in one line and the when you first get into coding you know you beat yourself up for you're like oh my god it's so dumb it's such a basic mistake and then you and growing up with that is re, you know growing up is realizing that one mistake is is almost you know the the one thing that gets your day down and you need to spend so much effort finding that <laughs> needle in a haystack. So yeah, yes. that's that's the that's the reality of it, folks. And so it's actually a very very tough thing because the more complexity you add to it, the harder it is to focus on such simple mistakes because you're no longer dealing with like one little you know ah oh, six liner code. Oh that's cute. Oh you forgot your uh, you know you forgot your parentheses right there. You're dealing with mm-hmm. like <laughs> you're you're dealing with hundreds if not thousands of interconnected files right 
lines of code and everything like that that can rely on each other and compile each other. And that's how the debugging process begins. That's where <laughs> hell, all hell breaks loose, which is funny. Yeah. I'm, I'll, th I'll throw one thing at you that may, that may kind of, you know, and forgive me if this kind if this kind of, um, you know, kind of blows the steam out of your ears. The, one of the common, uh, complaints is, oh my God, XYZ character is so unbalanced. Why don't you fix the balance for this guy? Or why this game is so unbalanced, et cetera. Cause I, cause I know for a fact, well, or I'm assuming for a fact that, the you know balancing the game itself is like one big math problem it's not as simple as you know oh, i guess we're going to you know take take jungle's shield down a couple of notches cuz it's too powerful it cuz essentially it you have variables that are dependent on this one change so do you when you look at people going like oh you know all you got to do is just balance this out do you just go like <laughs> if only you knew um, how bad things really are <laughs> Well, so this there is dependencies, but like also at the same time, it's like um, like I'm just like I'll just I'll touch um like Mihoyo's side and I'll talk about my side. Um, but I I can I can imagine that like like balancing is actually very 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 hard. Um, at least like it like maybe I maybe Mihoyo intended like oh this is never gonna be like a a PvP game, so we don't really need to balance that much. Um, but then, you know, when, when Zhang Lei came out, he's like, oh, people are like, are so into theory crafting and they're like, and then they're like, holy shit, these people are just grilling us. And so they probably <laughs> at that point, they're like, we got to fix our shit or people's gonna, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, I don't, I don't really, I can't really say because, uh, I, I don't work in, on, on games that are like free to play or that don't have like a gotcha element to it. Um, so that it's. Yeah, I think it, it might be different, like how they approach it, but um, but you know, balancing is is not easy, um, and that's why they have um, you know, the open open well not open beta, you know, but like closed beta because to get like a a wider opinion, but you know that's still never enough. That's still a small sample. You you don't really know what the mass is gonna think, um, and like for us, um, yeah, we we don't really work on. Um, I mean, we don't really have, uh, like, you know, kind of, or at least yet, like, we don't have a game where it's, um, like competitive or like balancing is that is, is super important. Um, because like, our games are not that, I mean, how do you opt? Like, like our games are like VR, some of them are VR. And it's like, how do you optimize? For VR, because VR, you have different inputs, right? You have your controllers. How do you optimize people? You know, people using their control, their hand gestures, because you know, this people play play you know differently. Uh, they might move their hands uh, differently. They might use different um, controllers, and it's it's just like a lot of variables for for us in that respect. And you know, we're 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 not like the biggest company we don't we don't we don't hold hold closed beta tests like we don't have a huge pool of people we can get feedback from um and like i mean there were times during our development for our game where it was like i would tell the lead designer like hey this this shit is not balanced um it's like because like you you might you might have like guns versus swords and you know maybe the guns are like like super powerful but then like the swords are like weak as, as heck 
but you know it, it, it then our designer was like no it's fine it's fine don't worry don't worry about it and you know it's it's in like he he doesn't really play with like the swords that much um but let's say he uses the guns more so it's kind of frustrating like even even as like a player who's like hey can we make this tune the swords more so that they're more powerful it's yeah it's it i, I guess it's it's really hard <laughs> sometimes because well, especially like we're all short on you're short on um like a deadline you have an upcoming deadline and it's like well we there's no way we can balance all this on time you, you change you change you change one number and it affects like everything else and it's like well there's there's no way we can test every single edge case on like an, to every single enemy type too oh for sure it just sounds like to me you guys are just developed gun gang, gun gale online <laughs> with the whole <laughs> swords and guns and i was like I know one guy that broke the system in regards to that. But yeah, for sure, for sure, definitely. It's uh I guess people have their own personal biases input into it. So that's why I suppose, you know, game testing is such an important part of it. You know, people wonder, it's like, oh, why do why do Mihoyo let let you know people keep testing these games and you know they're gonna get leaked? It's like, well, it's because, you know, you can't have every person cover every single aspect of it. You gotta let people actually try and you know, go out there and do some unusual things. And the problems yeah. themselves, I suppose, are not that obvious until someone points it out. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you know, the the, the path that you, <laughs> go, you know, you it leads to that problem is quite short. But you're like spinning around in a circle, just hoping to land on a problem. So it, you know, to you guys, it's like, oh, my God. It, but to everyone else, it's like, you know, who, who figured out one guy already figured out the solution. They're like, oh, my God, it's such a such a, you know, fixable issue. Why didn't you see this? You know that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of times, like these, like these bugs, or like these, like these, like oh my god, this this thing is broken. Like most of the time, it's like you know, some it's somebody who's like who comes like it's not us because developers we 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 play differently from how people do. People, your, your players will always try to you know break your game no matter what, and it's hard for us to to put our mindset into the player because. They will play differently than us, and that's why we have you know testers and and uh, like play testers and um, QA so they can you know try try uh, breaking the game as much as possible and then we can fix it. But uh, you know there's there's always like you know someone might find like a, a hidden gem like oh shit this character with this weapon is super OP guys you look this is game breaking and it's just like well. We, we're not going to be able to like catch like every single permutation <laughs> right so it's it's hard to catch yeah it's it's hard to catch those things and you know it's not, it's not always the you know developer won't be able to catch capture every single thing oh yeah definitely now i'm gonna ask you something that may be a little bit sensitive as a game developer how do you feel about speedrunners fuck <laughs> so dude like like lately in our project we were we were uh you know we, we got to the point it's like all right it looks like this is bug free but then you have we have our qa people Q, 
QAT, and then, you know, they're trying to break things, you know, left and right. And one of the things they, they test is speed running. And it just broke our fucking game. <laughs> 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 it just broke the game. So, like, what happens, like, you teleport so fast that, like, like the game can't, you know, load fast enough, you know, because, you know, it might be a, a limitation on the device or just the way we, we coded things or we set up the, you know, the level loading volumes. Um, so what happened was, like, you like you can speed run and then some parts of the level is loading and then some other parts is unloading and then you'll get like a race condition and then you know you know something's an event doesn't get fired which is important to start a cinematic for example and then what happens is the player's just stuck there and they're like god i'm 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 just sitting here something's supposed to happen but nothing's happening and then it's like oh fuck speedrunners <laughs> but the thing is like like most people don't speed run, like at least for our for our game. Like they, you know, they they want to watch things unfold. And like, why would you want to like speed run when you, you you're gonna lose a lot of content? You're gonna lose a lot of content, um, or miss out a lot of content. So, yes, speedrunners are a pain in the butt to deal with. <laughs> but but we don't. The thing is that we don't really. Like during development for us, we don't really consider, oh, what about the speedrunners? It's always in the back of the mind. Like it, like that comes later, <laughs> you know, when we're in the, like the debugging phase. Yeah, speedrunners themselves are, are are a bit of a thing and a half, and because the you know I, I think you might have seen on YouTube, the IGN has compilations of uh, game developers just reacting to speedruns all the time. And a lot oh, of them God. are just like, oh my God, my beautiful, beautiful level that I took yeah. like two yes. and a half years designing and they bypassed yes. it in five minutes. Yeah. Because like the events didn't trigger like, and you're just like walking on like midair and, you know, the map didn't load yeah. and you're like, wow, <laughs> all this dialogue, all these celebrities, we got to voice these lines and they just ran right past it with like some physics hack. Um, so, yeah. but all yeah. in all, do you, do you respect that they're able to find these things or do you just go like, no, 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 no. You're opening the Necronomicon. You shouldn't do this. There are th certain <laughs> things beyond your understanding that you should not mess with. You know, you have your fun now, but once you open Pandora's box, it's like, it's done. <laughs> uh, for, for us, it's like, like, I, I, like our games are already really, it's really short and it's, it's stupid because people will review our things and like rate it zero star and said, wow, game is 15 minutes long, zero stars. I wish there was more gameplay. It's like, dude, there's like content for you. If you, if you just look at it, like the, we have, we have this, this extra mode that's replayable and we have, you know, all this dialogue, we have all these side quests. What do you mean the game's 15 minutes long? <laughs> and it's like we don't it's like we don't really know how this person plays right it's, it's just like all we see is their review one star and it's like well okay <laughs> very helpful we spent like what uh, like you know like a year or, or more in development and you just say oh so the game's only 15 minutes no it's, <laughs> it's so like it's a it's really it's really saddening when people and also frustrating when um we we see comments like that, or even like people who just like speed run, or just like not, uh, because we 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 put a lot of 
effort and like our IP is like, you know, has all this huge lore and we try to integrate it. And like there's all the, this environmental storytelling that's in the map. Um, like I could like I could say almost the same thing like playing for like Genshin. Um, like I I mean I guess it's, I mean everyone plays the game differently, but like when I think because I'm a game developer, I notice the little details more. So like I go into these like camps or like these like oh this this is a really unique tree. What's and then I you know I spend like maybe five ten minutes looking at this tree. It's like oh this is significant, right? It's not just a tree, the same tree that they place every single uh, everywhere else. So there's like a lot of things, like there's a lot of effort and like thought that gets put into games that most people just don't notice or just gloss over. You know, I'm amazed that you can say tree or appreciate trees without being traumatized. <laughs> because for me, right? All right. I, you know, for, for everyone's sake, yes, I am a comp sci major. I took this one graphics course with JavaScript as our starting point. And we used a library called 3.js, which was literally living hell, right? And reason being is that you have to specify every transformation matrix um, to the point where you're like, all right, I might as well just like copy and paste these for every single one of my projects. But anyways, the point is, the reason why I get traumatized is like, I remember we just had a whole lecture on these algorithms about, you know, oh, roots generation or, or kind of like leaves generating like all these recursive functions that kind of sort of randomize. And I remember just having it making my brain hurt so bad. I was like, I never want to look at another blade of grass or a tree again because I know how, <laughs> much stuff, how much math was behind that. So props to you guys for being able to look at it and go, oh, yeah, you know, it's this guy. It's this guy's algorithm revolutionized the whole industry. And I'm just like, oh, my God, why does this exist? Oh, but that's but that's super cool. Like you can definitely uh, appre appreciate that to the finer details. Now, I want to do a deep dive. Now, we're kind of I'm going to step back a little bit now. Us being of the boomer variety, according to this gracious server that has graciously <laughs> labeled us of that sort, we've kind of seen the evolution of games not only from a sort of a, a, an evolutionary perspective in regards to how games have transformed over time, but also in regards to how these games have been provided to people via different platforms. So when you say that people are going into like Steam or what or or whatever sort of store, for instance, going like you know zero out of ten, only fifteen minutes of content. Do you think that <laughs> it's because t in today's uh, sort of gaming world, people are much more spoiled for choice? So when you walk into Steam, there's like you know twenty seven million dating sims you could choose from. Or you could, you know, there's 27 million RP, you know, RPG games, and you don't, you're not back to the old, sort of the old days where it's either by you know, internet reviews or by word, by you know, word of mouth, where you really have to sit down and sort of kind of see what this game's all about. You know, it, it's less about, you know, how have I completed the game, and it's more about how many games I've completed. Do you feel that at all? Um, I think it probably depends on like what, uh, what platform you're on. 
um, since we work on like VR. Um, I mean, I think, I think according to research um, and data that we received, um, a lot, a lot of people who who uh, buy VR, they are gamers, uh, and that's that's kind of that's a little different from from what we want to do. We want like we want to like immersive like experiences. Experiences and games are slightly different. It's I, I call them games because most people understand the concept of games, but experiences are supposed to be more like how do you describe? It? Like it's an ex- it's like a without using the word experience, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like, you know, it should make you feel something. It should make you feel like you're, you're, you're part of the, the, you know, the, the game, like you're like immersed. Um, and you're doing more than just, you know, game, games. It feels like you're part of the story and you're, you're an actual character. Um, so people, when they play our games or games or experiences, they play it like a game. So, so that and another thing with like like VR is that you can't just info dump. It's when you put on a headset, there's so much like sensory input that goes through your mind and it's hard to absorb all this information. So I think what happens is that people don't really um get a full understanding of um the story and stuff or what to do. Um I know there's some people that do, but most I think most people don't, at least from our like playtesting and stuff. So what what happens is like they end up just like I, I, I just want to shoot things. I want to kill things, and so they, they they don't really pay attention to you know the characters that's giving this like two minute monologue or 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 a conversation that's directed to you. Um, but for I think like if we take the if we exclude my aspect of VR and focus more on devs on um, stuff like Steam, I think. It's it's hard to say because like it's there's like it's there's there's you know the vocal minority and then there's also like the people who 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 actually will just play games for entertainment and take it easy and a lot a lot a lot of the comments you might see on like Steam and stuff where it's like zero ten it's this game is not bang for your buck because it's only fifteen minutes and I pay like thirty bucks well those are like a specific type of people that say those kind of and like you have like as a developer you have to like learn how to like assess those comments and just like say okay it's this kind of person um that's this is how i i I feel it's it doesn't really answer the question um i'm still like i'm like even though i've been this like this company for quite a while i'm still i'm still a youngling (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> game development aren't we all but they don't understand that do they they just call us boomers anyways nothing we can do about that mm. yeah, yeah but interesting because i, w- I want to talk about a bit more about the vr because you said that um something something that was really interesting to me was that it's sometimes it's not really about creating a game so to speak it's about the experience so when a lot of people look at vr they think visual right you're sur- you're you're in a, a virtual environment you look around the gyro you know the, you got the gyroscope you know on clocked at 200 percent to make sure it's like every head tilt is accounted but what's interesting to me personally is sound design i wonder have mm-hmm. you 
had to work much with with that in as a developer or or is that something that you just kind of pass to another department and it's their problem um so we have like you know we have we have vfx we have uh sound designers we have you know designers you know artists um i usually don't um i don't do much on the sound design part front because i'm just like a gameplay engineer um but I, you know, one thing I, I do is like I, I hook up, you know, audio calls, like let's play this audio file or play, play this soundtrack or create this music system. Like those things I do, but like all the sound design stuff is, is more on the, the actual, you know, audio team. Um, and they are, they really know their stuff. They, and they want to like, in, in, like, you know, help tell the story or help give audio cues to enhance like the experience. Yeah, because one piece of technology spe- that I'm specifically excited about that's kind of emerging, uh, not only in terms of uh, you know, the, the game industry, I believe, but also mainstream, is, is that they're trying to push out the idea of Dolby Atmos mixes. Um, I don't know if you've kind of heard of heard of that happening or not, but Apple they're actually paying a bit artists a bit more to push out Dolby Atmos because they have sort of built-in compatibility for uh, user users or people to experience that. And they think that it's the next big thing that's going to come to the mainstream in terms of music streaming, like Spotify, Tidal, and everything of that sort. So that's what I'm kind of excited about. Do, have you heard of this trend? And if, you know, if, do you see it you know, sort of also making its way into gaming? Uh that no. I, I'm pretty sure like like our sound team might might know, but me no. 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 Okay. Like I, so, I like the 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 like the only uh, well kind of going back to the, the your previous question. Um so one thing that like like our audio team does like doing is because uh VR you 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 have like a you know, you're in a headset and things feel like it's, you know, 360 and stuff. We definitely try to make play with um, surround sound as much as we can. Like, you know, giving cues from behind your your head. Um, like if there's an enemy in front of you, we want the, the sound to be in front. And if there's a guy behind you that's going to shoot you, then we want, you know, the audio sound to be behind you. And so that will help you direct your attention. It's like, hey, I should look behind myself behind because someone's going to shoot me from behind. But that's not like necessarily like new, because um you know games already kind of do that. It's just the the added aspect of like we want to make you feel like immersed in like the headset. I see, gotcha, gotcha. And to kind of add a bit of context as to why it's not picked up yet, uh, because apparently the reason why uh, Adobe Atmos mixes are, are not picking up at, at, at a faster pace is because. To have a Dolby Atmos certified studio is actually something else. You have to have your studio rebuilt, redesigned, reapproved, um, so that it matches the the standards for that. So I I suppose that's just kind of one thing that keeps on going. Who knows? Maybe maybe one day you'll walk in the office tomorrow. And you're like, hey guys, we you know our studio just got a <laughs> our studio just got approved for a Dolby Atmos. So be excited for that, which is very interesting. Um, but yeah, that that's definitely a cool concept um, behind it. Because to me, I I'm a I'm a guy that loves music. So when it comes down to games, 
I think that there are so many cool things that uh, composers have come up with. And now I'm going to segue into into this topic because it's it actually you know has some sort of significant relevance to to my own appreciation for this. But I'm going to name drop Maple Story. Amazing Aye. music, <laughs> like yes. actually. There were, I remember reading on forums one time, people were, it was to the point, people were speculating that Joe Hisaishi from that often works with Studio Ghibli was in on this. But I don't think really? that's true. I don't think it's true at <laughs> all, but I would believe it though. Do you think that the music of Maple Story is what is kind of what made it a success story? No, not, 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 not just, it, I think it was a couple of things. Like the music was, yeah, definitely really good for its time. Um, I think it was, uh, it's a studio, studio, E, I, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, AIM or something, but yeah, it was that company that did the music for a long time. And then they eventually switched to, uh, their own, um, I guess label it's called like Neckard or something now. But I think like part of it was like one, it was like one of the first or the earliest free-to-play games uh, on the market, you know, for its time in, two, in the early 2000s, right? So it was really accessible for a lot of people. And I think back in the day, there's not that many... I mean, there was there's, there's still a lot of MMOs, but, you know, it had really cute graphics. It was unique. Um, it had, you know, your typical... Um, I guess your class systems, right? You have mages, you have warriors, you have thieves, you have archers. Um, and, and you know, I think like maybe it was there was like WoW, but WoW was subscription based, right? Um, I think there was RuneScape, but I forget what happened to RuneScape. I think it maybe just died. Um, but there wasn't like, you know, this. There wasn't a lot of anime esque kind of like MMOs back then, I guess. Um, and maybe that that had to deal with that. Um, but, oh, but yeah, like another thing was just, it was one of the, you know, localization, right, is, <laughs> it's a lot of things that if it doesn't get localized and it never makes it to the States, well, you never get the chance to play it. Um, sure. I'm not, I'm not really sure if, 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 if other like countries had like, um, the same amount of like, if, like if it's because like i know like i'm, I'm in north america i'm in the u.s so if the game is forever <laughs> it never gets localized and it stays in like japan or korea then we will never see the light of day we will we'll just like wish it comes to to us what made maple story so addictive that's what i'm wondering myself because i remember grinding hours on that game you know, back in the day when Skype wasn't too popular, what I used to do as a, as a, as a kid in, in the sixth grade, I'd call my friend over, you know, with our house phone. I put a headband on and I'd stick my phone, the, the, the phone underneath the headband. And that's how we'd communicate, which <laughs> is sounds silly, but we would do this for about 12 hours, almost 12 hours every day. It was addiction. It was like a sort of grind thing. It, it, is it the grinding aspect of it that, that you think 
drew people in and made people stay or or do you think there's like a lot more than that like oh they did they present they made this presentation really well to the point you you'd be happy to do it i think i mean the grinding aspect that was you know i mean like people people i guess people enjoyed that cuz like you felt like you're progressing but i also felt like maple story had like a huge social aspect of it that 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 also just kind of carried the game at least for me because like I, I I was like a guild leader of a like a small guild, and you know uh-huh. we all like co- we all come from like different backgrounds, right? I think because wait what Maple Story at the time, I was in Scania or Scania. I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay, and which guild? Uh, what was it, it went through <laughs> you, a couple you names. You don't have to. You don't have to say. By the way, I'm just curious. There's it was like Sacred Heroes was the I think the original guild that. It was just me and my brother and some some other people, and then we went. We th- I think we changed it to Vigilante, um, and then I joined some other guilds. Like uh, I forgot what it's called. It's been a long time, but yeah, I, I joined a, a bigger guild uh, eventually, um, and then I I quit, and then I came back for a reboot, and then quit <laughs> um but i think like yeah i i, I think like the, the there was a social aspect that kind of um kept people playing um and like i know i know for for me like in america like back in like the maybe 10 years ago or more you know we're all young kids like even even now like you know you know on, on the server and stuff you have young kids and everyone comes from different backgrounds they want to talk or they they want to you know what do you call it escapism right you, they want to go somewhere else and just not think about real life and so i think that's that's part of the reason why maple story might have gotten big because you have all these you have a lot of people you know on this game you know you're trying to achieve a, a common goal right like defeat a boss or join or join parties and help each other level up or explore and do quests um so i think like the social aspect really like you know helps you know gain its popularity but that's just my opinion i'm not really sh- i don't really know what um other people might might think oh yeah for sure i think that's definitely an important part of it um, in- interestingly enough, uh, you know, for a while, while we're at it, while we're at the Maple Story thing, uh, you know, I remember, I-, I remember when there were only four classes. So there, there are people. Yes. Now you have like yeah. a bajillion classes and it's so easy to level up. I remember when getting level 40 was a big achievement too. Yeah. 50, even 50 or even yeah, the third even- job. Cause it was a real EXP grind and suddenly they just made it. So su- it, it, be- it became a private server. That's what happened. It went private server rates, and now you can just like level up instantly, almost, and you just have a couple of you know, one hundred or now two hundred plus accounts. So that's kind of why I left. I don't know about you. I I left because it, it like like someone someone mentioned that it was very pay to win, um, mm. like at least on like like the regular servers, um, like you know they Maple Story was like probably my first gotcha game if you know before before you know gotcha became 
really popularized. Popular on yeah, really before it got popular on um like mobile devices. Because what like, you know, the there's gacha aspect, they, they, they literally they literally had something called gacha pawn. Right? Yep, yep. They literally had something called gacha pawn. And then like the, the cubes um is you know, cubing is like you you're you have this item in it has it's it's like similar to artifacts, right? In Genshin, where you have like a main stat and then there's like substats, right? And but the thing is you need these cubes which are you need to pay real cash or somehow we acquire um the the currency NX cash to to purchase these cubes and then you would roll them and then you know you have to get them to higher ranks there's like rare epic uh unique and legendary and basically legendary is like the that's where all the best stats are and so they have like these like maybe one percent chance of you know increasing to the next rank and also like even lower chance of getting like Oh, I want, you know, all three lines to have, you know, nine percent strength. So you know, it gives like the highest, you know, stat boost, right? So it's like, it's 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 using real money to, to make your character stronger. And what? you know, it, it's our it's the fact that you have to, you know, pay or you know, spend time grinding to to, to get currency, is, yeah. First, first exposure to to Gacha. <laughs> By the way, for people that don't know, Gachapon is the full name of it for Gacha, and it's actually based off of the sort of the sort of little uh, machines that you find outside stores where you put in a coin, and you know out comes a little pod, and you open it up, and it's like a random thing that pops up, and you got like super rare ones, you got. You know all these exclusive ones, and people try to collect them all. It's kind of that's that's where the concept came from. Uh, just in case people didn't know, because uh, may, maybe they just got uh, the name from from a different place, or may, or maybe they just got passed down the name without knowing exactly. But yeah, that's the origin of it. It's Gachapon right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you ever played these as a kid? Like the game also had like like gacha for even cash items, even like cosmetics. It's like it just like this is so much like layers. <laughs> Yeah. To like the gotcha in the game, and it's like you know when you're, you know you're you're a poor student, you know you can't really afford all these things, but you know you know maybe with your allowance money, which is I don't don't recommend because <laughs> it you know the thing is like well the thing is like uh you know eventually all games will you know close and so it's I don't think it's a, a wise <laughs> choice to spend your your money on. You know these things when you're you're young. You know, you'd think the tale of um, magical record or magireco would North America would be a telltale sign for those who invested in Gacha, but I don't think people stop playing that game. <laughs> Honestly, did you hear about that? By the way, sorry, can you repeat that? Um, ma- uh, magireco. What, what was it? Magical record. Or magic, or magic record from uh, I... the Madoka series. It's the uh, oh, gacha game based oh. on Madoka Magica, and I know oh, I heard I'm, about it. I'm letting people relive through trauma, but <laughs> what happened basically was Aniplex had shut down their North America version or server of the game 
And a lot of people who wailed Levi or Leviathan or dolphined over this lost everything in a blink of an eye. And they could not uh. transfer anything over to the Japanese server or any other servers. It was just, you know, snapped the fingers and millions and millions uh. of JPEGs were lost in one day. Sad. Yeah, super and sad. I'm one of my uh, friends on Discord actually was a big, big Homura fan. And I remember he was so traumatized. We were trying to comfort him. And he's just like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, I ha he saved so much for the Homeras. You know, he's a, he, he, he's a good dude. He, you know, saved every penny for it. He's got Homura figurines everywhere. And he, he just could not talk for a week, I, I remember. So, yeah, gotcha loss is real. It could, ha it could happen. It's temporary, much like our mortal lives. Um, so, <laughs> so it's you got to think twice before you actually spend on it. You you basically have to pre be prepared to lose it. Essentially, that's that's the that's the mentality I go with. Would would you actually have you ever worked on any gacha games yourself? No, I I will never. I will I will never. Or uh, I, I'll try. I'll try my best to avoid working on gacha games, but you know I can't. I can't promise you that if Mihoyo Mihoyo makes a, a you know English English uh, you know uh, division here, I might consider applying to them. But but other than that, no, <laughs> no. It just I just it, my, my some of my coworkers come from like like mobile games and stuff, and they say it's like the most depressing thing they've ever done because like like at least at least for one of my coworkers, um he was like i think he worked on um i forgot which game it was pock i don't know if, if it was pocket gems or a different game i think he it was like Z i think zanga or something the company but anyway um he he said that like they would they would try to like you'd be in meetings where the I guess the producer or whoever is in, like coming up with the ways to monetize the game, they would they would come like, okay, all right, let's add this mechanic and do this thing that requires people, you know, to spend ninety nine cents or, or something like that, right? Like just just find ways to monetize every little thing, and you know, as a game developer, he just all he wants to do is make fun games and you know, get, make people happy. And so it's, he, he was just like, you know, it, he just felt so depressed because he's like, now these people are, you know, yeah, they're making a game, but now they're trying to milk money out of you. And it feels like a really scummy. So I, I, I know that if, <laughs> if I work on something that I, I would feel same because i i want to make fun games i want people to have fun you know forget about you know life for a bit and just focus on the game so yeah it, it's interesting because i don't think people realize how big the monetization aspect uh looms over people involved because i remember going to uh i'm not going to mention the name of said company but it's a very very big company um they were holding a uh a sort of competition or or, or camp on 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 campus 
introducing their new product, well, a new product called Unity. And we were one of the lucky few to to try it out for the first time ever and kind of see how it went. It was a hackathon. And I remember, you know, the cool thing about hackathons is, yeah, okay, you, you, you get to work with some cool tech, you get to meet some cool people, some people in hiring, some a lot of freebies, and a lot of uh, exposure to, to different lectures or sort of talks that go on. And I attended a specific talk on how to really sort of structure your game. And I was quite shocked that the guy had the audacity to say, all right, guys, sometimes what you have to do, or what we do, is we make the pay button a little bigger so that kids can accidentally press it. Fuck you. (laughs) And I just sat there. I looked around and I was like, are you guys listening to this? Like, is this really happening? Like, like, Uh, like, hello, did you hear what he said? Like the man, the man just tried is trying to take (laughs) advantage of, of, of kids lack of intellect so that they can press a button that would essentially make an in-game purchase. And I'm just like, damn, like, and (laughs) And back then, it, you know, Unity was still in its infancy stages, so we, we just kind of sat. A, a group, it's funny, a group of us sat there trying to run Unity on our Macs. And we we're just looking at each other going like, I don't think we should continue. <laughs> right? Not only because, you know, running Unity on a Mac is a bad idea, but we just felt completely uncomfortable with with the idea of monetization and how far people would go or preach about how to do these little things and it, it's it came as quite a shock to me it, now is that something you, you always knew or is that something you kind of had to like you know go in and sit and, and learn over time or it's like oh my god like this is something that's actually encouraged or or do you, or maybe it's not something that you you see on on your side every day working in vr um for for us like when like on, on our side i don't think we even we don't even think about it we're more focused on the experience like you know you're gonna pay you know maybe ten dollars fifteen dollars to play our game and that's all you ever need to play yeah if if you if you if you have dlcs well you know the dlc is, is gonna help uh pay for <laughs> our fucking finances <laughs> it's not it's it's not it's not to to you know milk money from you you know we we are humans at the end of the day we still we still need to, we still have a company to run we still need to fund our other projects um you know so we we do not like even even our designers like like our, our creative director and stuff he's like no we we are not going to do this to milk players money that's not the whole point we, you know, we're we're selling this a complete package. We want it to be the best. And sometimes, like, sometimes, like, we don't really have control over the monetary stuff. Like, that's probably that might be up to the the platform or the partner that we work with. Um, and, but it's you know, it's really disheartening when we look at reviews on our on our game on the store and stuff. People's like, oh. The, these developers are so greedy and like i just like dude we gotta make money somehow what do you want the game for free <laughs> for sure yeah definitely and uh go, we're going back by the way when to runescape apparently it's still live 
there's there's like a ver- there, there's a new version of RuneScape, but there's but a lot of people tend to go to what they call old school RuneScape, and that apparently that's still going, and people are still making developments on it um, outside of Jagex's influence. If if you guys are wondering, uh, funny enough, by the way, one of the ex Jagex uh, co-founders actually lives about 15 minutes away from where I am, which is kind of surprising if you think about where where exactly I am. Um, apparently that he runs his own business, uh, for, uh, rental spaces, uh, for offices and like, and, uh, and sort of open sort of workspaces and everything, which is pretty cool. But, uh, I've heard that he can be a very difficult person to deal with. Uh, no, if you're listening to this by any chance, by the way, this is what I've heard. I haven't met you yet. And if I do hit me up. You know, who knows? Come on, come on out of more radio. But but anyways, cool, cool. So now with all your gaming experience, let's talk about the main reason why we're all here, Genshin. So how was your first approach to it or how did you first hear about it? And when you got in, you know, what were your what were your conclusive thoughts on the whole thing? So I think I, I first saw like a uh probably I was probably like just uh, looking for uh, MMOs in like upcoming in 2020 or something like that because you know I don't really play MMOs that much. I still like to know what's what's out there, and if it's something really interesting, I'll bite. So I think I, I saw it, uh, and I, I mean I think my first impression is probably the same as everyone's. Oh my god, it's Breath of the Wild anime, Breath of the Wild, <laughs> <laughs> and. I, I played Breath of the Wild for like maybe an hour or something, but I never actually got to finish it. Sorry. It's, it's just, um, I, I, I just didn't, I don't know. I just couldn't really get into like Zelda games. They always felt more like gameplay focused than story. And for me, like story, I, I usually play for story. That's why I like RPGs and, and stuff like that. Uh, but, and I, you know, the Genshin had like similar aesthetic to, to Breath of the Wild, and it's really pretty. And, of course, you know, anime, big plus, always, right? <laughs> that's why, we, that's why. Yeah. So, so that's, that's how I got interested into Genshin. But then, you know, I was like, ah, oh, it's not coming out to America for a while. So I guess I forgot about it for like a couple, like year or so. And then when it, it came out, I was like, oh, it's not. And then I, then I realized, fuck. It's gotcha game. I hate gotcha. I'm done with that because, like, I, I like I played mobile gotcha plenty of them, and I know like there's gonna be a, a stupid stamina system. Uh, there's gonna be cosmetics or maybe stuff that's gonna require um, real currency that's gonna block your progression. So I was like, I was really disappointed when Genshin was gotcha, but I was like, I'll give it a shot because you know it. it this Breath of the Wild thing sounds kind of ambitious. And you play on PC. And I was done with mobile. Gotcha. I was mo- done with mobile games. So I gave it a shot. And then I played it and I was like, oh god, this game is really, really good for like a gotcha. You know. And it's, it looks beautiful. The animations are really great. And there's just like, you know, this I had this whole appreciation for it. Because it felt like the devs poured a lot of like heart into it, and you know this it's a three D game, and most most gotchas are just like you know two D sprites or something like that, and it they don't have 
some some might have full voice acting, some might not. But Genshin had like, you know, supports four different languages. You know, is localized. You know, and you don't have to wait for like six months. You know, for next patch. Like one thing that kills me is is like when the Korean version or the Japanese version gets the patches earlier before we do, and we just have to wait and wait. You know, wait six months for it to be localized. Um, and then like another thing, I guess is. It's just, you know, it it kind of brought reminded me back of the MM, old MMO days where you, you got to explore. So playing Genshin, I felt like a little kid again. And that was like something I could not get from like any gacha game or from other games for a while. Would you go as far as calling it revolutionary? Mm, I think, I don't I wouldn't say it's, revolution per se i think it's it's like it definitely set like a higher bar for um you know gotcha games and and i guess um uh i don't know how to describe it because it's 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 like it's it's kind of its own it's it's like using existing genres right it's a it's a at its core it's still a gotcha game but it's still trying to do more than that like it's trying to say i i am a single player rpg but this is a twist on it because it's it's like a live service kind of game right so it's and that's why it's it's different and and new but i wouldn't say it's revolutionary i feel like i mean i guess it could be in some sense but it's i don't know from personally i felt like it is like it doesn't deserve revolutionary but I would say like it's like one of like the the highest production value game for of its kind. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so something that uh, that that games are kind of known for, the uh, community wise, is actually uh, sort of manipulating aspects of the game, or, or perhaps the way I'd put it is modding. You know, a lot of different games, you know, Minecraft, Skyrim. Uh, a lot have dedicated communities towards creating their own original content, putting it into the game for other people to enjoy. Now, as someone who works in the industry yourself, do you think that uh, MiHoYo should allow people to mod the game? Or do you think that it would completely ruin the experience that we are currently enjoying? Uh, I don't think they should mod. Um mostly because it's there's going to be a lot of they're going to find a lot of issues um and it's going to expose a lot of i think it's going to expose um bugs and there's probably going to be a lot exploits and for a game like this where you know it's you know it all your data is saved on like a server um you don't want any you want to avoid client-based stuff um, as much as possible uh, so you approach it from more of a, a technical perspective, in a sense, rather rather than essentially more of a... Well, I suppose it's all interconnected, right? You know, technical, then it really experience... It kind of uh, affects how you experience the game in general and everything of that. Yeah, but yeah, okay, fair fair play. Definitely, definitely, for sure. Um, do you but think... Th oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think uh, Nathalex also brought a, a, a good point. Like, Genshin is, is one of those games that doesn't need mods. 
I, I kind of like I feel like too like I felt like like if you add, I feel like you add mods I think you also kind of briefly touched about it too uh, DC um, is that you know the de- like the devs they put so much effort into like you know the world building the you know the environments and then just to you know if you give the player the ability to change these little things it it kind of ruin it it can ruin the you know the experience that they want for the players to 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 feel you know right say so you have like this really dark cave in the you know this this that you know durin or something right and then you allow people to mod durin and turn it into like thomas the train or something like that <laughs> i mean it's funny it'll be funny oh no <laughs> but <laughs> it it just it just like it it kind of like goes against like you know their i guess maybe game design principles and how the they want the game to feel speaking of thomas the train how how where is your limit on how many thomas the tank engine mods and 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 music videos i've been putting like have you like see just gone on a deep dive binge and been like yep that's enough or does it something that just pops out news feed and go like yep there's uh, another uh thomas the tank engine uh video and uh oh it's got eight legs and it's a spider and it's crawling towards <laughs> me and it's a whole horror game based on thomas the tank engine i don't think i i don't think i ever get old of it it's more like okay i want to see what how how funny people are going to make it this time <laughs> yeah. like the i i think like i i, I like the the the, the skyrim one that was like one of the oldest oldest mods, right? He was like, they replaced Alduin with Thomas to Thomas to train. <laughs> and then I think I recently saw um, someone modding the snake boss from was it Sekiro? I don't remember. I don't remember. I think it was Sekiro. But they mod they modded the the, the snake boss, and and that that boss is like. I think you're supposed to like like sneak around during certain certain parts of the fight, and then you just see this giant fucking train <laughs> from the corner. <laughs> yeah, the big oh white snake. Yeah. So let me see Okay, okay. Because one of the one of the first things that I I found in relation to the whole Thomas the the tank engine meme was this old video of uh these cyber goths dancing under a bridge and someone dubbed the Thomas the tank engine uh song over it so it just seemed like they were dancing to it and it kind of led to a whole like wormhole of Thomas the tank engine means and eventually you know the 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 where it took me to was this one uh I, I dare say revolutionary video uh music video of uh of using thomas the tank engine <laughs> in creative ways thomas the tank engine this was one of my this is definitely one of my favorites it's just it takes the whole thing like it turns it up to 11 and it, it's such a creative thing are there any now are there any sort of uh uh, uh I, I say I'd say I, I'd call this you know a mod. Are there any sort of mods that you that you've appreciated over time? That's kind of they're kind of historical to you. I, I'd I'd put Thomas the Tank Engine up there. Um, oh, I like I think the only game I played with mods was probably Skyrim. Um, there, so I remember some some mods that I really I really liked was like this UI enhancing one. I forget what it's called. Maybe Sky UI or something. It's been a really long time since I played Skyrim. But that's one of the few mods that I appreciate. Um, there was also like one for more spells or 
um, more, yeah, more spells or more interesting spells. Um, there were, uh, oh, there's one where, because I, so one thing I, I really don't like about Skyrim or just certain games is the, the Draugrs. I, I hate undead or in like, um, catacombs or dungeons because I don't like being spooked um, when playing games. I just want to have a relaxing time and just, you know, I, I like pretty colorful environments. I don't like dreary, you know, scary environments. So I, I did this one mod um, to change all the draugers to like, uh, I, forget, I forget what it was. I, I, I basically changed the, the, the skins and I made them like look like humans. So I would just never get spooked. I'll be like, okay. I'll just get past. I'll get past this dungeon. You know, get get out of it asap, so I don't have to feel creeped out, and then go back to the the main world. That's funny. That's really funny. Did it? it was Skyrim one of those games that also kind of steered your career path in, in in some shape or form, or is it something that just you just pass by and you're like, oh, that's cool? I don't think it really. I I mean. I think it kind of made me think, like, oh, it would be great to work on these kind of games, but it I don't think it's exclusively Skyrim. But okay. I think like learning how to like tweak with mods kind of helped me just a teeny tiny bit with like understanding, oh, these are texture files. Oh, these are audio files. And you know, just little things like that. But it's it's not, yeah, not 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 that significant. I think what helped me more was probably Maple Story <laughs> because Yo, I actually um, okay don't 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 tell anyone because I could get in trouble. Kidding, um, but I used to like data mine Maple Story just for Yo. like acid. So, like, <laughs> so like I think like learning how like the I guess some, some like the file was structured helped me figure out oh I can structure my code or like files like similarly. Ah, I see. That's that's pretty interesting. Don't worry, Safi. You know this is all about you. We're shameless here. You know what, guys? CheatEngine.exe. I was that guy. Item vac, monster vac, god mode. Let's go. That was me. <laughs> got my, got my hey. account banned for a couple of days. Got removed off the rankings list. But hey, I still got it back in in one piece somehow. <laughs> you know, I wasn't banned for life that time. But I did. Yeah, I did get reported. You know, the little thing where you you went to the corner. Of you teleported to the corner of the map so that their mouse couldn't click oh, you, you and couldn't do a right click report. <laughs> and if you, you know, and noobs gone like, why are my monsters disappearing up to the top? <laughs> and why are items dropping down and then being like sucked up to the sky again? You know, at one point, um, my guild made a story, like Rachel Anti, we we went on like we, we thought we were gonna let's let's help Nexon or or something some weird shit like that. We're like we would we were like okay we're gonna report all scammers we're gonna report all mod or hackers, and so we were on like this this uh like if we come across a you know a hacker or something we would like report them. So if you ever cross our path, we would have totally reported you. <laughs> yeah, not with uh, me in the corner of the map. You couldn't because your mouse can't even reach my name. No, very good. You could. No. There's uh um. I forgot there were some tricks that we could do. Um, oh yeah, because you know, because because sometimes um you notice that um, well, MapleStory eventually they try to do anti anti botting, right? So what would happen is like you would they would force you to teleport to different areas of the map, 
Mm-hmm. And at that point, you could you could catch uh, someone's IGN, even if it was like ah. for a split second. There was, there was there was a trick. I forgot what it was. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that that's probably way beyond my time. Back back in the day, it was just Game Guard we had to worry about, and that wasn't much of a problem. <laughs> yeah, oh, the things we that. had to do. Yeah, that was that that to me was nothing. The biggest issue for me in Maple Story was actually getting past the firewall because they had they made the unfortunate choice of making a localized Maple Story in Hong Kong, and then they banned us from global. They 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 completely shut us off. And of all th- all the things we used, you know, a, a a simple VPN couldn't do it. We used AOL Dialer. That was how we got past the uh, IP block. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. We we specifically downloaded AOL. We used the AOL Dialer, and lo and behold, like the lowest latency Maple Global experience we could ever get. <laughs> you know, from wow. a from a banned country, nice. which was which was super wild. Now, I want to go back to 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 Genshin, um, the the anime aspect of it, because to me, the the game is like, you mean I get to play Breath of the Wild for free, and I get to roll for waifus, like that was yeah. to me that was the 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 cool aspect of it. Now, uh, and of course, to me, as being someone who 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 actually who's watched anime for a long time and possessed multiple. Uh, products of anime um th- this is something that really appealed to me so how how important to you or how appealing was the the anime aspect to you about this game i think it was very appealing um because I, I like i think one thing i tend to avoid realistic games um mostly because come on I, I play games to have fun not to be reminded of real life so like having it like anime you know the anime aspect of it is like okay well they could do they could overblow, you know, whatever they want. Like, you know, Dragon Ball Z, you know, spirit bombs and, and stuff. <laughs> so I think like like that really helps. So it's like, okay, well it's it's not a realistic game. It's more I guess more I guess fantasy. Yeah, kind of fantasy adventure. And do you enjoy that about anime in general? By, by the way, what is your what is your background in anime? For sorry, I forgot I asked. Uh, we background anime like what? Like, uh, like how, you, how I have, got into it? Well, yeah. How do you how'd you get into it? What what specific uh, genres or things do you gravitate towards? Are you a seasonal or or or, or like a whatever or like whatever uh you know show kind of crosses your path kind of kind of watcher. Do, do do you keep up? How how deep in the rabbit hole are you? <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> I kind of got out of it, but um, oh, I'll, I'll say like I I I mean I started with um, I'm not like this this is this, this is probably a, a North America or, or U.S. thing, but for kids, um, I don't know if any other country had something like that for kids. I think for kids might be yes, yes, yes. It was like on Fox. So I think on Saturday, Saturday, your Saturday morning cartoons, Channel Eleven, at least in the the US, um, and so they would air like Pokemon, Digimon, um, Yu Gi Oh, Sonic, Metabots, Monster Rancher, yeah, all, all these, all these like, you know, old animes from like, like during the nineties um, and stuff. So that's my first exposure. And then um, Cartoon Network. Uh, that's where I started watching Naruto, Bleach, um, 
I think there was Car- Cowboy Bebop, um, Full Metal Alchemist, um, and then uh, middle high school. I don't remember. This is a period where I stopped watching because um, I guess I, I don't I don't I don't I don't, really, I don't really remember. But I think I think it was yeah. This is the time I stopped watching, and then I got back into it like college. Um, and then I started watching more animes. What in, made like, you get the, back into it? 2013. I think it was it was just because I just I, I was bored college student <laughs> and like you, you know you also poor college student um but you know there's stream that you know i guess there's the rise of streaming websites right um uh, I, does not condone I, any uh form of uh legal streaming go buy the uh, original <laughs> product okay continue <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like I, I think there was a point where we stopped having um cable tv so we we didn't have access to cartoon, cartoon network but then because, you know, there's streaming websites um, that helps, uh, you know, give us access to anime. Um, so, yeah, I got back in around maybe 2011, 2013, and 2015. And then I stopped, I think, a little bit after that because uh, work and stuff. And even now, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, like watching like every day i i'm definitely like binge watching from time to time um and sometimes i'm not even finishing series just just because life <laughs> gotcha gotcha yeah no yeah I, I definitely feel that there's a you know it's it's not like you can't get away with what you uh what you did before now that now that life is a thing um before that you know, yeah, 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 quote unquote, no life to all these episodes, and you could watch like a whole season in one sitting, and you're like, damn, that was all right, or damn, that sucks, sort of thing. So when, so with all the, you know, all the anime that you watched, and 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 now going into sort of Genshin Impact, do you were you excited to see any like, um, familiar voice actors or actresses in in, in like the Japanese dub or or or, for, or first thing, yeah. do you do you play in English or, or Japanese or, or Korean or Chinese? Uh, I play Japanese. I'm a yeah, yeah. I I just prefer the Japanese voices. I feel like I feel like if I play English, like I just cringe. No, just the the English voice actors are good, but I just feel like I cringe because it doesn't feel right. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, what and who were sort of like the first uh vo- voice talents you gravitated towards? Going, like, oh my gosh, it's Yula, but it's also Misaka Mikoto, or it's like, oh, it's uh. It's Raiden, but it's also Mordred. Mm, Mordred. But yeah. It's, uh... Uh, I forgot who was the first one. I, I feel like I, like, um, I think, oh, Traveler, of course, because that's uh, mm. Aoyuki, right? Yeah. Madoka, um, Mag- Madoka from Madoka Magica. Yeah. Um, I forget, I, 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 I've forgotten, like, a lot of like uh, the voice actors and their anime counterpoints, but I definitely remembered um, uh, Hu Tao. Oh, yep. I yeah. think a lot of people know who uh, Hu Tao is. It's the famous Rie Takashi, who's actually one of the hottest um, voice actresses on the planet at the moment in terms of anime. 
and everything else because uh you know a lot of big roles a lot of important roles so it's kind of hard to miss in, in regards to that so yeah absolutely and that's why we're all kind of here aren't we all uh, in, in, this, <laughs> in this wong Sheng funeral parlor hutao based server well some people yeah. are here for for different other things i suppose much Leaks. more <laughs> oh yeah we do now this is a non-leaks uh a medium we don't we don't condone that here just saying and uh i don't i don't hey, no we're le we're leaking our we're leaking our own content don't worry yeah i'm i'm just saying right. i i personally don't take responsibility you know mihoyo if you ever hear this it's like no <laughs> i tried i tried but i'm not strong enough <laughs> so so yeah so anyways you know it's it's quite you know there's a lot of di i suppose there's just a lot of different things that kind of build up to this point and uh one of the things i i kind of wanted to, to to actually touch on that uh that you know it, we'll, we'll see where it takes us is that how you know when it comes down to to everything you've kind of all the me mediums of experienced uh during your childhood or during growing up what made you decide okay you know game development is going to be my thing and what were some of like the decisions you had to make in regards to that and so i think so it i think it started really really when i was young um i i was really interested in like the film film uh, film and video editing um but you know during a time in america so this is this is, might be some sensitive to some people, or some of you might relate. Um, but um, the film and women and Asians, they don't go together at all. Like there's a, you know, there's the the whole, you know, filmmakers are white and male, and so like like that kind of like discouraged me. And you know, my parents also were like, yeah, Steffi you shouldn't do this. This is, this is not for us. You should be a doctor. Uh, <laughs> this typical, typical Asian recommendation, mm -hmm. doctor, lawyer. Um, uh, what else is there? Engineer. Yeah. Counseling, so finance. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like, like, you know, as a kid, I was like, I'm, I, I, I like, I want to do all these. I want to do the things I want to do. And usually I, I will, no matter what, I'll follow my heart um so i mean like even growing up it, you know the parents would say the same <laughs> the same thing you know you should focus on finding a stable job uh and all that doctor doctor stuff um but you know like when the, the internet came out you know and you know the game consoles you know you know the i was playing a lot of games uh, I was making videos, and I enjoyed all those things. And I was like, you know, as a kid, I was like, oh, I just want to do, I just want to do this for the rest of my life. But I didn't really exactly know that, you know, game developer, like game development, was a thing. Like I didn't have all these resources. Um, but I was like, I, I it's just like a hunch. Like this is what I feel like I should be doing. Um, but you know, parents, you know the. Yeah, you know, they, the whole Asian parent thing. Um, and, you know, but the thing is, like, I think, like, during, like, college, um, at least when I started, um, 
I, I kept telling like, hey, I kind of want to do film to my parents. And they're like, you know, no, 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 don't just, just stick with your Asian stuff. But no matter no matter like how how much they told me no, <laughs> I'll I'll still like do video editing. I'll still, you know, play video games. They weren't gonna stop me from doing my hobbies or things I like. And then like, but you know, during my first year or like towards my or right beginning of my my uh it was either the end of my first year or the beginning of my second year of college where I, I flunked organic chemistry. And that was like when everyone I, else I, did. Yeah. Yeah. And like I was I my GPA was shit the whole quarter because like I literally got an F in OCHEM. Um I, I did not enjoy the class, you know, I was like struggling so hard on it. On top of that, I was I think it was in physics and bio. So I had like three science classes, three three labs in that semester or quarter. I, I don't remember. But yeah, so basically that was, that was like the roughest quarter for me. And I, I was like, like, mom, dad, I don't, I don't think I can do this. Like if I keep like the next quarter, the next class is like biochem and I have to retake OCHEM. And I, I, I like told him, I, I, I want to change my major. I want to do film or something because that's, that was, I, I, I like to do video editing and I didn't know what else to do. Um, but we just had like this conversation and my dad was like, Hey, maybe you could do you you can be an engineer or something or something like that and i was like but i want to do film and you know it's like it's we get to come with a compromise and so i I ended up settling with um computer science and my dad was like well i think you'll be fine because you you know you spend a lot of time on the computer um it was like so funny yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, I, I guess, I guess. But, um, I mean, I, when, when he said that, I kind of thought back and was like, well, to be, I, to be fair, I did spend, you know, time uh, making, like, Neopets, like, like HTML pages and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, had, I had fun with that, right? So I think I could do it, you know? Um. So you know, I I went with I went with computer science, uh, and I switched I switched from bio science to computer science, um, and then the thing is like, eventually I learned that like maybe computer this there's got to be something else in computer science that's 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 interest that's interesting, and at that point I didn't think of game development at all. Like I just felt like oh I'll do game develop on game game dev stuff on the side for fun, but ultimately I'm gonna be a software engineer, you know, maybe a cog in the machine or even like, yeah, I, I like everyone aspires to like, to like, oh yeah, I'm going to make a lot of money just being in computer science and engineering. I'm going to work at Google and work at Facebook and work at Apple or Amazon. So I was like, yeah, all right, I guess I'll, I'll try that. But, you know, me being me, I'll always, I'll always do things that I like doing. Um, and eventually, I think it was like a hackathon. Me and my friend joined joined a hackathon, and we made uh, you know a, a game in Unity. And that was like one of the funnest things I did. And at the hackathon, we won like most um, cute, cute or creative hack. Yeah, I think it was most creative hack. Hey. And then I was, and then I told my my parents about it, and they're like, "What? 
wow, you want this. And, you know, I think we want like a $50 Amazon card. Um, but, you know, that's something we want something. And, you know, people saw it. And so my parents were like, wow, that's amazing. And so, and then after that, I, I entered in a, a film contest or a short, short film contest. And <clears throat> I worked with a friend and we also won, uh, we, we actually won first place and we got like $500 and we split it half. Wow. Um, so at that point it was like, my parents, I was, I was like, look, look, mom, look, I won these contests. And then they're like, wow, you can actually make money from all these stuff. <laughs> so it was like, I was like proving that, like, I was kind of like proving to them that I, I can do the things I like and still make money and I can still be successful with all these things. And I think that that kind of like helped them like open their open, be more, become more open about um, like my future and jobs and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's still not that easy <laughs> getting into game development because like at the end of the day, I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to be a software engineer because I, I also didn't like have a lot of exposure to game development itself. Like, like at my school, there's literally no game development classes at all. And well, there was like maybe one teacher that taught like rendering and then there was like a senior level computer um compete like or video games course but those got like one of them got canceled so it's like well where i'm gonna learn about game development in the first place so i had to do like all these side projects anyway so um and then you know i, I you just, you just kept doing side projects and it, whenever like a game developer came to our school to visit <clears throat> i would attend those sessions and just ask them about things water yeah no um, worries but yeah so it was it's a lot of like working on the side while being a student you know pursuing pursuing your passions while doing something that you know something you might not enjoy 100 percent. and i think eventually i got like a, a student job yeah i got a student job at uh one, one of we call it like brain game center or something and uh, that's where I got to work with a team and get paid for, uh, you know, doing game dev stuff. So, which was nice. Um, definitely put out the resume, but still didn't expect much from it. Um, and then, like, you know, I graduated college. I had, a I had a couple, you know, game dev projects, even, like, I think we had, like, an embedded meta systems course. And my, my project for that was something game related. Um, so I, I just, I just, it just kind of felt like natural that I was progressing towards game development without me trying to. Um, but I think like, so maybe about six, six months after I graduated, um, you know, I didn't find any job. <laughs> That's how, you know, it's tough. You know, mm, you don't always sure. get what you want. You know, you think you, you graduate with this degree and you're going to, bam, easy, you know, get a job. But no, like a, like a lot of my friends who got jobs, they, they're super smart. 
they have internships at you know the big companies and I, I just I don't really have any of those um but all I could do was just kept applying right what, what is there to, what else are you gonna do um and then I saw this listing for this one company and I was like uh oh, I don't think I'm gonna get in this is like oh they're, they're really big they're well known for this I'm I'm a nobody I, there's no way they're gonna accept me and then so it's like I got I heard back from them I was like hey we'd like to do an interview with you and I was like holy shit no way and then you know I went through a series of interviews with them and then they're like hey we like you would you like to join us I'm like what hell yeah and the funny thing the funny thing was I applied for I applied for like a mid-level and it wasn't gameplay engineer it was like rendering engineer and I know I'm shit at rendering <laughs> I'm shit at rendering and I'm not mid-level at all but they were willing to make to make a you know associate gameplay engineer position for me uh because they, they liked me so much and then that's how I got in it was like Yo. I think it was a bit of luck but it was also like they hired me for potential so that was also like really really amazing that's inspiring actually and i think it speaks to a lot of people uh who are, who may be listening or who are also in similar positions because it, it, uh, the reason why i said it was funny earlier because it's like you know the combination of film and computer science uh eventually made its way to game development which is quite you know a combination that that sort of makes sense if you kind of put the pieces together but it it, it kind of worked itself out and I think what's inspiring about your story is it's 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 a story about really not giving up and really hustling for what you believe in, which is something that a lot of people here have an understanding of or have tr uh, tried or are trying to do at the moment. And because I, I personally, I view I view I view your story as a success case, really, because, you know, in, in regards to my own, it's more like, oh, I wanted to, you know, be a drummer and I wanted to go into music school to play jazz drums. And my parents were like wait a second, I didn't give you 10 years of drumming experiences and, and lessons for this. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. So funny funny how that works, because the compromise also fell into computer science. I guess all the roads just lead there <laughs> at the end of the day, which is weird. <laughs> and uh, and, and one th I remember one thing I did, which was my last hackathon project. I routed my electronic drum kit into an interpreter, and it spat out, brain fuck the language <laughs> and with, with and it was it was amazing because uh for well first off i managed to program hello world with musical notes that i would have to play so hell yeah we had like scheduled uh times on our booth where i'd go up on a drum kit and i would perform hello world and when you hit and the la the, the last finale was when i hit that one crash symbol it would compile everything and print out hello world which was pretty cool yeah that's and that's genius yeah. now here's the the discouraging part of it every industry professional that came by asked the same question to me which kind of well we were well, i was working a team but it kind of made me sad a bit because the the one question was and how do you plan to make money off of this and i just looked at them oh. going like bro <laughs> you know it's like do you what do you what do you what do you so i was like 
Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the most revolutionary product in the world. I'm just going to sit here and tell you I did it for shits. You know, <laughs> and I remember there was this one person I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm, I'm going to wing it. I don't care. I'm just going to tell them it's useful. I said, oh, it's an alternative input for, uh, you know, that that is that is meant to supersede the keyboard. I feel that it's a much more natural and engaging movement that intensifies the, you know, the core muscles and strengthens you. It's better than sitting on a desk all day and you're engaged. You're actually engaging your controller rather than typing on keyboards. And I feel that, you know, people with uh, musical affinity can find that it's a sustainable sort of way to to program and they bought it and they're like oh yeah 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 that's i was like what the hell's wrong with you guys <laughs> you know just just give me a drum kit so i can just make something cool out of it but <laughs> but yeah co- uh, you know as you expect the combination of music and, and computer programming was a, a little bit of a of a hurdle you know because going into to audio processing in, in itself on an algorithmic level is actually a real challenge um because of the math involved and uh there's a there's a amount of uh, there, there, they had one project going, which was like a master's level sort of uh, program where they used uh, invisible uh, instruments and the, the but the movement of your instruments would uh, relay back through a connect. And uh, and it would, you know, if you if you, you could play air drums, you could play air violin and it would actually read exactly what were you doing, which was cool. And, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's where it went. And, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm still at my, my job. I, I did a one, one eighty and went to data sciences. That's nothing to do with music, but, um, <laughs> but at the moment, you know, the, the, the casual thing was I was in a couple of bands, went into, uh, 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 did some music stuff, did some music for film, uh, just as a side thing. So yeah, there's definitely ways you can, you can balance it into, to people listening. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to communicate a, a message of hope you know there's there's ways that you can appeal to your parents which apparently they all lead down to hey mom and dad i did the thing i wanted to do and i made money and they're just like oh you could do that so it always goes <laughs> down to the money aspect of it which yeah. is kind of crazy yeah um yeah. but yeah it's it, it's it, it's pretty it's a pretty neat thing but i feel like you know if you if you want to do something you will find ways of doing it no matter what like nothing will stop you um and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a hard thing so speak yeah so speaking of film or are you you're, you're more on the video aspect of it or are you more on the cinematographer aspect of it oh you mean like like the student stuff i did yeah or, or, or just your interest in general and in, in regards to film uh, or you're an actor uh, or actress no definitely not i think it's more on the editing it was definitely more on the editing side but you know, in college, I did join like a, a film related club, but I learned that, hey, this is actually not what I wanted to do. Because, <laughs> because what ended up happening was like, you know, you have, maybe it's just unlucky experience, but uh, the person I worked with, you know, they were the director. And like, you know, one thing I learned is the editor and the director don't always share the same vision. So mm. when I learned that, I was like, uh and sometimes they just tell you just do this and you don't get much say so you, you end up just being like a i guess this is an editor slave so somewhat so it was it's not enjoyable but I, I was just also not interested in you know it kind of goes back with like realistic kind of things i like i don't like realistic games 
but I also don't like realistic um like films at least at least like working on it like if it branches more into like fantasy or like sci-fi I think it's fine it was fine like for us it's like it was a bit more like it was it was it was more on the realistic side of things like it was like we working on a horror quote horror but it was more like tied to like oh we are limited to what the what, what the things that can happen in the real world so it was like oh there's a stalker and that person is does really creepy things and so i was like uh yeah that's not really interesting but it was but at the same time it was like one of the few ways we could only make um films on you know student budget so not not yeah. it's not a great experience fair fair enough fair enough so like um you you have you looked at a lot of the the, the short films that have come out like in, in during our time like i remember there's a lot like rocket jump was a huge one just because you know freddie wong could do all those different uh you know visual effects in general and and then you know, eventually they came out with cool things like video game high school and uh what was it um anime crimes division and like the 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 whole call of duty sort of thing is that is that the kind of uh a uh, uh, sort of fantasy that you're that you're looking for or are you even going even bigger like oh i want something like you know uh the the green screen genshin impact movie sort of thing like the, like the guys that really <laughs> did. um I, I i feel like i feel it's probably more I actually have not seen like uh, the the ones you 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 mentioned. I've heard of the mm. anime's crime division, but I, I I don't I didn't watch too much of that. Um, I don't remember if I saw the the Genshin green screen one either. Oh yeah, I should definitely link those to you. Yeah, the anime crime division is actually pretty good. It features uh, Pro ZD, my long lost <gasps> brother. Oh yes, yes, I love him. Pro ZD, he's hilarious. Yeah. He's he's awesome voice actor, uh, awesome actor. He's also in Genshin, which is pretty cool. So you know he's wait really which which oh you who did does he play? Pro Z D no. was the sly merchant during the Yanfei story arc. Really? In what? English. Yeah. Oh, I played Japanese. <laughs> that yeah, that's it. the thing. Those are the things you you kind of oh. miss, um, which is pretty cool. Like okay, so there's this one. Uh, there's this one uh th- tweet where uh, ProZD tweeted out, "I'm not in Genshin Impact," and then a year later he requotes that and says, "Never mind," so, which is uh, which is pr- oh. pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, here's a here's a here's a tweet from him himself, uh, right here that that says that says who he played. He was uh Krozel from uh from Gen- that Genshin Impact, or sorry, Cro- yeah, Krozel. Cro- or something like that. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool to see him, uh, to yeah. see him actually be related in, interlinked cool. into things. Yeah, it's it's super cool. I I didn't know until he you know got brought up and he's like, oh, remember when I said I wasn't in Genshin Impact? Yeah, never mind. Um, so <laughs> I hope he I gets love- a bigger role. Yeah, he deserves it. He's a hardworking dude. He's got lots of things going on. He's a he, overall, he's super cool. Um, he's. A lot of th- he's super smart guy as well. He's got a lot of good things going for him, and I hope that you know he he's got many more. Um, and but yeah, at the moment it, it's it's a weird time. It's COVID time and everything. So 
right now, we're going to open up Q&A for Sefi. If you guys have any questions um, for her, you know, for, for myself about this whole thing, you know, please let, let us know at the moment. We're just going to keep talking. If not, um, through the rest of the time that we have. Yeah, you know, it's the what was cool about Rocket Jump, in my opinion, because I don't know if you you dwelled much into like sort of like the short movies that or the short uh, videos that were coming out in YouTube and a lot of content creators were kind of getting together and kind of doing, you know, the as as college students. Uh, one of them was like college humor where they did like all these cool. Skits. Oh, yeah. College right? humor, remember college humor was funny. at. And and remember before that it was like there was a thing called Derek Comedy and that's where uh that's actually where um oh God, Donald Glover got his start in that oh cool yeah he was a ve- he was actually a very prominent care uh, actor within the YouTube series and that's and that's where he started you can you should see a lot of his old stuff it's really really funny and it was just by this one dude called Derek. That, that founded Derek Comedy. Well, I, I think, it, mm. I don't know if he merged, but I think it eventually became College Humor. And that's the whole thing of it. So quick question from Eugene for Sefi. Thoughts about the bad reputation of working in the games industry? Uh, I'm going to have to say that I've been very fortunate to be in a company that, <laughs> that avoids all the, the negatives. But uh, I can speak on behalf of like my, my like things I've read and also I've heard from my coworkers. Um, so one thing the since I, I'm I'm you know I'm a fem- I'm a female, obviously you, I'm pretty sure some people have already heard about you know the Blizzard stuff that's going on there, um, and in general how like women are not treated um, appropriately or even fairly in some studios. That's all very true. Um, at my at my company. We're treated very, very well, um, at least from in my de- my department, my division. We've been treated well. I, I know there's some parts of my company that there still is, you know, it's still an issue, but I have not experienced it, and it's part of the reason why I'm afraid to branch out because I know if I if I leave, <laughs> there's a chance I'll, I'll I'll actually face it. Um, but yeah, besides the the, the unfair treatment of women uh, and you know that also comes with lower pay too uh in, in certain, certain companies um is uh I think probably overtime um overtime i heard is can be really bad um especially naughty dog um well not naughty dog has an interesting culture um where they are all perfectionists and because of you know they want to do put out the best work they have this this cycle of oh we, we want to stay late so i can make the game the best we can and i mean it shows right like uh last of us is some of the tech in there is really good like the rope tech is really insane but there's a lot of blood sweat <laughs> you know that that was a uh, you know that had to go because of you know all that effort um and i think there's there's some stuff about uh instability but i think the instability depends where you work at if you're an indie dev um i definitely could see um you know issues um about like 
uh, keeping your your studio alive or keeping your even your or funding your games um, and even finding um, finding ways to to keep both afloat. Um, and then even after even let's say you even lost a game, it might not even be a success, right? So th- th- there's that too. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I think those are like the main ones I, I've I've heard. You know, there's the woman not being treated um, over time. Uh, what's the? Oh, and and the the indie indie thing. I think those are the the, the bad rap bad reputation stuff. Uh, that's that's common. I'm sure there's probably more, but I think those were. Like they're dependent on studios. Definitely, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, that definitely people need to watch out for. So, Kai asks, I know that you've said you've strayed away from mobile gacha and monetization, but have you spent on Genshin? And if so, which character made you pull your purse out? I have. I, in fact, I have the whale tail <laughs> role. <laughs> um, I think the most. I spent on was Hu Tao, um, partially because my luck was shit, uh, but also because I, I, I like Hu Tao. Like, I like her design. Um, and even before uh, they announced her voice, voice actress, I was like, oh, I, I love her already. She looks cute. And then, you know, the voice announced, uh, the, the VA was like icing on top. Um, and then probably after Hu Tao is, Raiden, maybe I spent. Mm. No, actually, no. I I think it was Ayaka, because Ayaka I, I didn't I didn't get uh fortunate. But Raiden, oh, so lucky! I, I won a lot of fifty fifties. Oh yeah, like, I got her to like C four. Like I like oh all, wow, like, yeah. I had guar- guaranteed Raiden, and then I I got fifty fifty for everything. That's awesome. So. Wow, that's an yeah. amazing experience. So we're going to take uh, one last question, maybe another one if anyone has any left. So again from Kai. So he says, that now that you mentioned Naughty Dog and part of the game de- and part of the game development, your experiences in it, have you seen the anime New Game? If so, what are your thoughts on it as an anime that kind of gives insight into game development? I think I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I usually I usually don't watch um like there's there's like uh, there's like other stuff where it's there's I think like the there's a show about an anime being made. Sure about it's an anime, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I usually don't watch those kind of shows because they're more on this this I guess slice of life y kind of stuff. So I, I'm not really a slice of life person, but I I, I should watch it. it. Sounds interesting. Not a slice of life person. Hmm. Yeah. Have to consider future episodes now, Sefi. I don't know. It's <laughs> one of my, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's all good. It's, de- de- you, know, it's pe- you know, for me, I, I like to switch my brain off when I'm watching anime. So I'm like slice of life. You know, you, you just see me, you know, smiling, drool going down my my mouth, going like oh, brain dead. That's the that's the part I miss. But uh, yeah, for for sure, definitely. Um, yeah, you, it looks like you have a lot of anime to catch up on. Looking at these oh, uh, <laughs> recommendations, I, I, I'm, I'm backlogged on anime. 
<laughs> about so, Google Anime and games. Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. So, where can people find you at usually these days on the server? On the server, I usually hang around 50k basement. Awesome, awesome. It's and so- it's um, it's it's quite the basement because it's like beneath like all these categories. <laughs> it's beneath everyone. <laughs> yes oh boy it's 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 nice and cozy though oh for sure for sure and uh where so people can find you there and they they you know if they have any questions or they want to come chill out that's totally cool if they just come and talk to you and everything yeah i'm cool with that i'm a i'm a friendly person I, i i'm not mean I mean, we'll see for now. The whole slice of life thing threw me in for a ride. Um, we're going to we're gonna have to think about that, actually. Well, Sefi, thank you so much for coming on. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to all of the topics we wanted to talk about because you know, there's just so many things that we can discuss all day. And uh, I, I hope that you'll be, you'll be back for sure because um, there's definitely a lot of cool things that we can talk about. Oh, yeah. Round two? Round two? Round two? Let's go. <laughs> Rerun? <laughs> Heck yeah. Sefi, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It was a long time coming, and I'm really glad we got down to you at this point. Um, anything else to add out there? Uh, thank you for having me on this. It was really fun. Um, and I hope everyone else enjoyed the talk. Absolutely. I think they did, judging by the comments that flew by. I want to thank Kai, um, because he has woken up so early to make sure that this could happen and he's really the main driving force behind this podcast at the moment works his tail off it's amazing and and he's also you know keeping his job so uh, i'd like to thank ren as well for helping me uh, structure all this uh alongside them couldn't have done it with any of those two i'd like to thank you guys for tuning in once again um surprise we reached a hundred followers on spotify today so Thank you, everyone. It's a big milestone. Um, you know, you look at that cute little 100 number and it's like, oh, my God, you know, that's that we, we did this. You know, it's it's amazing. So uh, thank you. I hope you guys will will definitely continue the support uh, in regards to this. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. So y'all have a good morning, a good evening and a good night. <laughs>